0: A temple is a latin word called templum. It is a structure usually built for the purpose and will always be dedicated to religious and spiritual activities. You know that includes prayer, meditation, sacrifice and worship. Typically a Hindu temple is commonly referred as a Mandir or Devastana. Now it is usually a symbolic house, a seat or a body of divinity for Hindus. It is also a structure which is designed to bring human beings and gods together. It can be either using symbolism to express the ideas and beliefs of Hinduism. Also, one of the major fascinating things about a temple is that it incorporates all elements of the Hindu cosmos, presenting the good, the evil and the human symbolically representing dharma, karma, artha, moksha, all the things. Greetings fellow archivists. we are back, all four of us. Now this time, as you guys must have already guessed it right, we are discussing about Indian temples, how some of them were built, what was the significance of them and what is the backstory, into some of the not known much facts about them. So during this episode, we will explore a lot many different aspects of various temples around India. And try to understand what is the cultural significance of that, what is the technological significance of that into all these massive masterpieces. And as usual, disclaimer would be in the description for everybody this time. So without any further ado, let's get started. So Nikhil, would you like to take us to the backwaters of Kerala and, you know, give us a glimpse of the temples you have chosen for the audience today?
1: Sure. Thank you. Okay, so today I will be touch basing upon one of the famous temple called as Guru Vayu Temple. Guru Vayu Temple is a Hindu temple dedicated to the Lord Guru Vayu So Guru Vayu is a form of Vishnu worship mainly in Kerala. It is considered as one of the most important place of worship for Hindus in Kerala. And it is also referred to as Bhuloka Vaikunta. That means uh, the holy place of Vishnu on Earth. The place has a significant story which is really worth listening to. Are you ready guys?
0: Yeah, Nikhil, absolutely. Please go.
1: Yes. So let's go back to where it all began. Long, long, long ago, the era of Swayam Manu. Uh, right now we are in the seventh Manu. Swayam Manu is the first cycle of the Manu. Where the Prajapati sutappa and his wife Prasni prayed to Lord Brahma for a child. Lord Brahma with the consent of Vishnu gave an idol. The idol which was given to Brahma itself from Vishnu. It is believed that by the grace of that idol, Lord Brahma fulfilled his task of creation. Prasni, while always performing her duties, she always thought about the Lord Vishnu. It is believed that uh, they both, uh, Prasni and uh, Sutappa, lived for 12,000 years. All the time, Prasni uh, always prayed for Lord Vishnu and she was a devotee of Lord Vishnu. Pleased with such devotion, Lord Vishnu appeared before them before the couple to grant them a boon, Prasni expressed her thoughts that she she would like to be the mother of uh, the Lord Vishnu. And in the prayer, she said it thrice, looking at which Lord told them they would have three Janams, that is the birth, and that he would be born three times in the three incarnations. That is, first time the Lord was born as Prasni Garba, who taught the people the importance of Brahmacharya. And in the second time, he was born to Kashyapa and Aditi who took the form of Vamana, for whom we know he is one of the avatars of Vishnu. And the third time he was born to Vasudeva and Devaki as Krishna. Now Lord Krishna, as we know from the story, got this holy idol from his father and worshipped it at at his capital Dwarka. The idol is almost four feet tall and is made of stone called black bismuth and is represented as a standing pose of Lord with four arms. Where each arm will carry uh, respectively a shanku. Which you call it as Kanch and Sudarshan Chakra and the mace, and in the last arm, he carries the so, Padma or called as Lotus.
0: So, Nikhil, this is a representation of Lord Krishna, correct?
1: Correct, which Krishna used to worship and it was, which was appeared in the, in it for the parents in the prison. Okay. So, this is the depiction of that idol. Okay, now it is believed that Guru Appan represents the full manifestation of this four armed Vishnu revealed by the baby Krishna to his parents. That was just a glimpse of backstory attached with Guru Vayur Let's be, get back to the temple. Centuries old temple is located in the town of Guru Vayur in Kerala. The word Guru Vayur Appa means Lord of Guru Vayur. Guru refers to Brihaspati, that is the Guru of Devas and Vayu refers to the Lord of Wind and Appan means the Father or Lord in Malayalam. Since Guru and Vayu installed the Krishna's deity, It is named as Guru Vayurappan. Now you may be curious, like how is Guru and Vayu significant over here? You may be curious, how is Guru and Vayu significant over here, right?
2: Yeah, obviously. Okay,
1: let's explore that part of curiosity as well. Before the completion of incarnation as Krishna, Lord took his devotees and minister Uddhava that his image would become floating in the sea, which would wipe off Dwarka. Minister Uddhava requested Brihaspati, that is the Guru of Gods, to install the image at a suitable place. He did some prayers and he prayed to the God ask get to the suitable place to install the idol or the image. Now, Brihaspati and Vayu set in search for uh, some sacred place. Like after listening to his prayers, Brihaspati, that's a God, and Vayu set in search for some of, one of the sacred place. That time they met uh, Parasurama. At earlier, he is the uh, author of Vishnu. He was also bringing one of the, the same idol to the Dwarka like uh, from one side from the sea. That image is floating and coming and one more side. Parasurama is getting the same idol, the same idol to the Dwarka.
0: Oh OK. okay.
1: Parasurama led to a beautiful lake full of lotus flowers. Okay. And surprisingly, Lord Shiva was doing a penance over there. Penance in the sense punishment. He had some he, that story is different, but to know he was doing some punishment over there and. Uh, he met Lord Shiva. Parsurama met Lord Shiva.
0: Mikhail, one confusion. So, in this side story, Lord Shiva was doing a penance in the sense like he was punishing somebody or he himself was, you know, he being himself, punished.
1: He himself was on earth to uh, complete his punishment. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. At, at that time, Parsurama happened to meet uh, Lord Shiva. Alrighty, alright, alright. Uh, now, Lord Shiva told Guru and Vayu to install both the idols over there. And that place now is called as Guru Vayurupura
0: Oh, wow. it's so nice to know that one. Okay. Yes. Continue.
1: And now, uh, if now even even in today today, if you go to the temple Guru Vaio, and uh, devotees go around the temple for uh, the uh, production, you call it right?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, at one point of time, where uh, you face, so uh, the city called Mamiur, you pray to Lord Shiva and Parvati. Why? Because once this, so after the installation of the idol and image, Lord Shiva and Parvati left to this Mamur city after, after their punishment. Oh, okay. That's when the devotees worship, while they face that direction.
0: Oh, all right. So that means it is, it is not that just the devotees are praying to a certain temple in Guru Ayur. They also are devotees to Lord Shiva and Parvati as well. Right, right? Because the
1: significance is uh, Lord Shiva and Parvati left after the install- installation of that murti over there.
0: Okay, okay. That's so nice to hear, that.
1: And now uh, we all might be aware of Vishwakarma, the architect of gods.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. So, it is said that he he has built a complete temple. After the installation, there has to be some uh, like, like building of the temple uh, and everything, right?
0: The complex has to be built, basically,
1: yeah. Correct, correct. So that, that was built by Vishwakarma oh. by the request of Guru and Vayu.
0: Oh, okay, okay.
1: So now the significance is that Guru and Vayu are indirectly connected to this temple. This is also recalled in Mahabharata, like uh, the sage Jatatrya told to King Janmajaya, the son of Parikshit.
0: Okay, and what exactly was the thing happening in Mahabharata?
1: no uh, mahabharata it was just recalled like even the even the the story of this whatever we just just discussed right it was just recited okay. in one mahabharata
0: oh okay okay it also has a mention of uh, this temple in mahabharata as well
1: correct oh. now uh, after this all this, this is a mythological story okay now this and all, uh, later later it started developing and uh, many of the cities committees uh, they started uh, developing the city the temple from outside Okay. And as we see today, it's one of the significant temples and it's termed as Buloka Sri Vaikuntum.
0: So, listeners, whoever is finding it difficult to pronounce or to understand, don't worry. We'll mention everything for you guys, for you to explore and also take a journey with us.
2: And actually, listeners, if anyone was wondering why it's called Buloka Vaikuntham, it's because Vaikuntham is actually the heavenly abode of Lord Vishnu. It's said to be a huge uh, ocean of uh, milk, where uh, Vishnu sleeps on a coiled snake. That is Vaikuntam and since this is uh, about for Vishnu on uh, earth, it's called Bhulaka Vaikuntam. Bhulaka meaning earth and Vaikuntam being uh, being the place of Vishnu. Sir Raghav, coming to you,
0: being in Bangalore for almost 5 years now, and I have heard a lot about the Hampi temple complex. So, would you like to take us through that journey as well?
2: Yeah, I actually specifically chose this because it's one of my favorite temples, and I wanted to choose before Bengal because since Hampi is actually his native place. Oh, I mean, so for the listeners, yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> before I went into that sheet to write down, it was already written and not taken away by Raghav. So can't do much for
2: me. Okay. Hampi is basically, it's not a single temple. It's a massive temple complex. It's a huge group of temples. Okay. It's uh, built around 14th to 16th century CE, which is the last of the great Hindu kingdom. Okay. It's the last uh, remnant ruins of the capital city of the Vijayanagara Empire. That is, you know, Krishnadevaraya. You've heard about the stories of Tenali Ramakrishna and Vijay, uh, no, Krishnadevaraya. So, it's from that kingdom. Okay. It covers an area of 4,187.24 hectares. And located in the Tungabhadra Basin of Central Karnataka in Ballari, Ballari district. Am I right, Venkat?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Cool.
2: Okay. So, it's not only, uh, you know, uh, temples here. It's different forts, uh, you know, there are different riverside features, royal and sacred complexes shrines, pillared halls, mandapas—that means halls, basically halls itself. Memorial structures, gateways, defence uh, checkposts, stables, water structures—many, many are there. Okay, and it also has a you know a mythological significance as well. This is uh, the place uh, which is near to where Hanuman was born, which is the Anjanadri mountain. Okay, yeah. if you uh, know your uh, mythologies uh, in Ramayana. have uh, lord hanuman the monkey god who was actually born in south india in karnataka in a place on a hill called anjan and this is also the place where sugriva used to rule which is also known as the kingdom of kishkindha so if we know the story while searching for uh, sita uh, lord ram and lakshman come to kishkindha where they meet sugriva who Another monkey king who actually wants to fight his brother Bali to uh, reclaim his kingdom. So Ra- Lord Ram was supposed to help uh, Sugriva in his battle with Bali. Why, you know, by shooting an arrow at Bali while they- those two fought. And uh, so I actually went there. The they showed the you know the uh, size of the arrow, the distance to to which uh, you know uh, Lord Ram shot the arrow at everything. So the distance are almost around one kilometer, and the uh, you know the size of the arrow is I think as far as I remember it was around eight feet or something. An arrow, eight feet. And Lord Ram was actually said to be around uh, 24 feet tall. So the you know I think I would understand if the arrow itself was around eight feet.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because uh, again, uh, such a long arrow cannot be thrown by humans no. of today's time.
2: If an arrow is such long, it won't be called an arrow anymore. It will be called a <laughs> yeah. spear. So, yeah. Anyways, uh, coming back to this. Okay. So, one of the most significant temples in this whole complex is the Vitala temple. Okay. So, this in this Vitala temple is the famous chariot. Okay. This chariot is carved out of one single stone. I think, uh, Venkat, I think you've seen it, the whole chariot thing. Yes. And there's also a
3: tale behind it, I think, so you would cover that as well. Kalteru, they call that as Kalteru in Kannada, which means stone chariot, as Raga was saying. If that chariot moves, it's marked that the world would end. So, that's one of the interesting tales that you would get to see when they explain. And there was also the stone cock or something. Maybe I'll come back with you. It, it's meant to be there, but it's now stolen across. I don't know who did that, but.
2: Many of the temples are in ruins. Okay, 90% of the temples have no idols in them. Since it was, you know, a subject to attacks from uh, different uh, emperors, Mughal emperors, the raiders, and everyone who repeatedly attacked these temples and just left them in ruins. And right now, uh, you know, they are, uh, and the government is trying to restore them to its uh, former glory the chariot is one thing and the next you know this is the most mysterious thing i want to talk about which is the musical pillars in the vital art complex okay so there are there's a huge mandapa or a hall which is filled with the mu- uh, pillars and they say that if you just hit one of the pillars with your finger at least it will make a musical note so when the britishers were ruling india they thought uh, the pillars were hollow inside so they just Cut one out and you know broke it in half to check what is inside the pillar. And it is solid granite. Nothing else. Solid granite. But the architecture is such that it creates beautiful musical notes whenever you hit a coin or a finger or anything on that. And right now, since people are trying to hit it with rocks and everything to make some music, the government has banned anyone from entering the Mandapa right now. So that was when we went there around, I think, six or seven years ago.
0: So, Raghav, did you experience that musical journey as well?
2: No, that's what I'm saying. Uh, at the time when I went there, right, it was under renovation and uh, you know, the government was stopping anyone from uh, you know, hitting on the music rocks because people were taking stones and hitting them and damaging the pillars. Mm, so,
3: all right. the thing, what has happened recently is that, Saiket, Um Hampi has got a lot of traction, which in late... 1950s 1960s it was not known much and because its discovery has come out late and uh, the pictures have been going around in the circulation a lot of people have been visiting that place and it's not treated the way it should be treated uh, it's been misused so they're putting a lot of restrictions now which initially was not there because uh, a small story to tell my grandmother and my granddad used to walk across those places without any restriction. They can easily go there, uh, sit there, talk for long hours of time and come back and all. So now, due to all these things, it's becoming more enclosed to protect that heritage. So, people now, if you're trying to experience, I think so, they're trying to construct in such a way that uh, you would have to follow some queue system or something like that.
2: Uh, even if not a Q system, it would be a basic responsibility to protect our heritage rather than just trying to damage it just to satisfy something of
0: yours. Yeah, I agree to it completely. So this is again a very small tip for all our listeners and everybody, you know, who is listening to this. Please try to understand that these are our own cultural heritages, right? This is not something which is somebody else's. Even if it is somebody else's, you should not think of destroying it or you know spoiling that the beauty that you don't realize today you might realize it 10 years later but the damage that you do today cannot be repaired in time so those kind of things you know you should not ever do it
2: now that we are done with this why don't we just go to the southernmost tip of India to uh, one of my favorite temples actually Rameshwaram
3: yes Raghav Uh, that would be a delight to talk but before I start Rameshwaram temple there are a few things that you should know about Hampi as well. One of the thing is, I think Suraga would have mentioned about Hanuman and uh, how Vali Sugriva were in that fight and how Rama launched the bow or Ar- arrow over there. There is a cave also over there which not much people are allowed to go inside that. Which
2: ah yes yes uh, yes I forgot about it. was
3: that. which was actually accessible. There have been few people who tried to go inside it, but so it's too uh, deep and the oxygen over there would become less so now they have restricted the taxes second so thing is not
2: exactly yeah. oxygen the thing is mm-hmm. that we'll have uh, there's a, a big climb over there okay uh, okay it's not exactly oxygen it's not that deep of a cave okay mm-hmm. you were mm-hmm. talking about the cave where bali was stuck in for a few years right
3: yeah 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 ah
2: huh. So, according to the story listeners, according to the story, what happens is Bali, while he was the king of Kishkindha, he had to fight someone and he chases that uh, particular someone into a cave. And Sugriva, his brother, was uh, you know, was asked by Bali to stand guard at the uh, entrance of the cave. He waited there for days and uh, Bali never came out. He was still fighting that uh, monster inside. And finally, when he heard someone scream and blood started flowing out of the cave, he thought his brother had been killed. And didn't he didn't want the monster to come out of the cave, so he just sealed the cave with a huge boulder. And he himself became the king of Kishkinda. But later on, Bali came out of the cave. He came, uh, you know, came back to his kingdom, and he just snatched the throne and uh, Sugriva's wife from uh, uh, him and started ruling himself. And uh, that, that is why Sugriva wanted to, you know, fight Bali and, uh, you know, reclaim his uh, right. Am I right,
3: yeah. Mekka? Yeah, yeah. And other thing to add over there is, sorry to make it a bit long. Have you heard about this uh, Akka? Oh, I don't know. There was this two stones, which are big okay. in this time. Yes,
2: Akka? yes, yes. Uh, uh, actually, what I wanted to do was, I wanted to dwell into the history a little and, uh, you know, okay. I didn't consider going into my own experiences over there, actually, for this one. Okay. Yeah, some yeah that I've heard about that. Uh, Good yeah, days, eh? Two huge yeah, boulders yeah. on uh, each side yes. of the road, right? Yes,
3: yes, yes, yes. There's a story behind that also, but yeah, uh, we can take that later. You guys can research on your own. It's a very interesting story. It'll give you a lot of curiosity to learn about this place.
2: And Hampi is one of the best temples I've ever seen in my life. and Seriously, it is a recommendation for every single one of you listeners to at least go there once once in your lifetime. It's worth it.
3: If you guys are going, don't go during summers if you're not used to temperature of around 40 to 43 degrees Celsius. So (laughs) go during a time where the temperatures are a bit low, like around 28 to 30, so that you will... Because the shelters over there are built well, but um, there's a lot of open area and it's a dry place. So... You should have your uh, sunscreen lotions or something ready, um,
0: guys. Whenever you are going, please call Venkat or DM in him on in Instagram. He will guide you.
3: <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> definitely. Place
3: okay. So I'll take over to Ramish now. So uh, the story of Ramayana continues actually here, but that was actually when before the war started, but Rameshwaram temple was constructed after the war. So basically, this is a temple built for God Shiva, which is located in Rameshwaram in Tamil Nadu. It is one of the 12 Jyotirlinga temples. So the temple was expanded in 12th century by Pandya dynasty. So this is an introduction that I want to send it to you. Now, let's go back to history. So... According to history, in Ramayana, that is, Rama, who is the 7th avatar of God Vishnu, prayed to God Shiva to absolve him of that sin, who he killed a Brahmin. Basically, Rama, Rama killed Ravana, and Ravana was a Brahmin, who was also son of Vedic. So, for him to get away from that sin, or to forgive that sin, he wanted to pray God Shiva, and rama wanted to have a large lingam so what rama did was he asked lord hanuman uh, to get a large lingam from himalaya so when hanuman lord hanuman went to himalaya to get the large lingam it did become a bit delayed so what rama did was he built a small lingam out of the sand that was present over there in seashore now that was the start point of what rameshwaram is called So, why Rameshwaram is such an important place, and how the architecture plays out is what I'm going to take it to now. So, the architecture in the Rameshwaram is like the most significant thing to look for. So, if you've been to, if you're planning to go to Rameshwaram, one of the best things that you could have a look is those corridors, magnificent corridors, and thirtas. There are 64 thirtas across Rameshwaram, 24 being significantly important, stated in Skanda Purana. Bathing in these tithas is a major aspect of pilgrimage in Rameshwaram and is considered equivalent to penance. That is, you have, com- you have committed some sins, you want to get away from those sins. You can have these tithas, which is basically, there are several belts. How many
2: what, did you um, say there were?
3: There are 64 around Rameshwaram, but 24 are considered important. Ah,
2: uh, yes, 24. Yeah. Actually, so, uh, as far as I remember, that was actually my favorite part of you know the whole Ramayana, and I've been Ramesh. there three times. And every time there. I enjoy, you know, being uh, you know poured uh, buckets of water over me in, in yeah, twenty-two yeah. of yeah. those wells.
3: It would be a bit salty, but it's actually good. you'll enjoy the whole experience of that.
2: No, as far as I remember, it was twenty-one wells inside the temple, and three of Correct. them were outside the uh, like spread across the city, right?
3: Uh, not. Very far, but they they according to what information I've got so far, it's sixty four across the Rameshwaram but twenty four near or inside the temple.
2: No, because uh, after the, the whole uh, Darshan thing, we mm-hmm. uh, went across the, to the theaters to feed fish inside the you know wells
3: mm-hmm. over there. Oh, okay, okay. But again, I think so due to Skanda Purana. Now the twenty four wells are now treated as very important. Uh, the theaters are treated very important for your... yeah. yeah whatever sins you have committed, those can go away when... That's a belief and we respect that belief. Now, coming back to the another interesting part of Rameshwaram is the outer set of corridors is reputed to be one of the longest in the world among any temples. So, measuring about 6.9 meter in height and 400 feet east and west, and about 640 feet in north and south. Imagine that's massive, actually. Yeah, you're standing there. You're like a small person observing a huge corridor. You're like a small kitten walking on the big corridor that you see. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the reference was nice.
2: <laughs> actually, Venkat, uh, uh, Rameshwaram corridor is the second longest corridor in the entire world.
3: I said outer set not the inner
2: i'm talking about the exact uh, rameshwaran corridor that's okay. the outer corridor right
3: oh there are two one is outer and another is inner corridor
2: yeah which one is the longer one
3: outer outer set of the corridors yeah. is the set to be largest
2: then then obviously that would be the longest second longest in the world
3: okay this is another important thing to note there are about 1212 pillars in outer corridors If you are there, maybe if you are planning to go there, you can actually give a try and count and verify us and tell us, no this is wrong or this is right. Their height is about 30 feet from the floor center to the roof. So the pride of place in the establishment of the temple goes to Setupathis of Ramanathapuram. So this happens in 17th century. Dalavai Setupathi Correct me if I am wrong, built a portion of main eastern Gopuram and in late 18th century world famous corridor was constructed by Muthuramalinga Setupati, who lived for 49 years and ruled between 1763 and 1795. Now okay, we've talked a lot about architecture, but what is the significance of Rameshwaram and why is it viewed as one of the most holistic pilgrimage? So, you guys would have heard across Char Dham or the four holiest temples in India. Those are, yeah, but, yeah, those are nothing but Badrinath, Puri Jagannath, Dwarka and Rameshwaram. So they are basically Badrinath at the north, Puri at your east, Dwarka at your west and Rameshwaram at your south. But from from my research at least i have not known its origin so far but again we, i can leave this to our listeners to understand its research so another major significance what rameshwaram is about is as per shiva mahapurana once brahma and vishnu had an argument in terms of supremacy in creation so when the two great gods are having an argument shiva to test them pierced the sword to the three worlds which is huge endless pillar of light which was called the jyotirlinga now when this jyotirling what is this jyotirlingam basically is it's a supreme partless reality out of which shiva partly appears so when this happened, Brahma and Vishnu went to the other ends to see the end of the light, and to report back to Shiva. But again, they failed, and that's why Jyotirlinga stands to be one of the important terms that we use across all the Indian temples across. So the temple is one of the most famous pilgrimage sites, and has served lot of historical references about it. This is other set of significance. Now to the last bit. Ram Setu. Now there are a lot of stories around it and lot of conspiracies also around it, but what I want to take you is the way it signifies the importance of Ramayana and the place Rameshram. As Raghav said, it's the southernmost bit of India, but Kanyakumar is the like the corner one. So what Ram Setu does is according to Ramayana, when Rama wanted to go to Slanka, according to uh, Puranas, they wanted to travel across this huge water body, but they didn't have any sort of uh, say, w- logistical movement or vehicle as such, to put it in our terms. So, they saw this stone which could float. So, basically, Rama asked to make a way, but they found these stones which could float and Hanuman and all of their team Lord Hanuman and all of their team bridge these stones to make a huge bridge where Rama can travel from Rameshwaram to Lanka. Now that's one bit of a story in a Purana. other bit of story comes from what people have researched like they call now them as Adam's Bridge I'm not sure why but this' being called as Adam's Bridge and it's actually made up of limestone shoals. These stones actually can float, like literally, I've been there, I've tried to experience to make them go under the water, but they float back. But it's not like they're like thermocol or they weigh less. When you try to lift it above water, it it weighs too much. I don't want to go even more deeper in the story as things get complicated. So i leave it to the listeners to do their bit of research on how this whole thing is working and how this pitch was constructed. That's a whole different story to experience by yourself. And that ends Rameshwaram.
1: Venkat, oh, this, this reminded me of my South India trip last time, where oh, me and my family went to visit this Rameshwaram as well. It's a very beautiful place. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and Venkat too. Oh, We have seen some nice uh, temples even in the north side as well. Can we touch base upon those things as well?
3: So, Nikhil, I was going to touch base upon that. I just mentioned Charda. So, one of them in it was Rameshwara. The Mm -hmm. next one was Padrinath. Right? Okay. So, for that, we need to go to north. So, so to all of the listeners uh, listening, to give a small introduction on Badrinath, it is a temple dedicated to Vishnu, which is rested in the town of Badrinath in Uttarakhand, India. So people going there, prepare your coats, prepare your jackets, and also vicks if you have cold them. Okay. Temple is also known... And never go in the winter. Yeah. You can't also. They won't open it. I'll, yeah, come, to that. That. I'll come to that. I'll come to that. So, temple is also one of one out eight Divya Desams dedicated of Vishnu, who is worshipped as Padrinath. It is open for six months in a year only. That is because the winter sets in after late November. So, it's open from uh, end of April to the beginning of November. So if you're planning to go to Badrinath, which is a, one of the chardam, you have to make your plans between these time periods so that even the temple is open and even your stay can be more peaceful. So what is the history behind Badrinath and how did it came into picture? So there are a lot of references of Badrinath in a lot of Puranas itself. Basically there are three sources. One is from Bhagavad Purana, another one is from Skanda Purana, which you also referred upon while talking about Rameshwara. Third thing is from Mahabharata. Let's go to the first one, Bhagavad Purana. So in Bhagavad Purana, they say that Vishnu, in his incarnation of Nar and Narayan, had been going through a great penance. Nikhil said that penance means punishment. It's more of, you have to go wash your sins. Basically, you are
2: atoning for your sins.
3: Okay. Yeah. You are just yeah. sitting and thinking about it. Hmm. He, so, Lord Vishnu, in his incarnation as Narayan Narayan, had been going through great penance since time was immaterial for all living entities. So, that was one source of reference in Bhagavat Purana. The second source of reference was in Skanda Purana, stating that there are several sacred shrines in heaven, earth, and hell but there is none like Bhadrinath. So the third thing, the third reference was from Mahabharata, the holy place as the one which can give you salvation to devotee if you come close to it. So basically what it's trying to say is, for other shrines when you go, you would need to do some sort of rituals as such. But if you just try to come close to Bhadrinath, you attained all your salvation because Normally, it's that difficult of a journey to reach there. So, that is one set of history from Mar Puranas. But according to another documented set of histories, during 16th century, the king of Gerval moved the murti to the present temple. So, there's a Linga which was moved to the current present temple. So, when British came and started taking away our regions, and it was under British control. Badrinath was under British control. The king of Garval still continued as chairman. So that was still not under exactly British telling who has to come, what they have to do. It was still under uh, Garval king being the chairman. Before all this, before all these things happened, there was a legend saying that Vishnu, when he sat for meditation, so in this place, so in Badrinath, when he sat for meditation, During his meditation, he was unaware that this place was too much cold. So watching this, Lakshmi came to this place and to consort Vishnu, she protected him in form of a Badri tree. So so you could look across. Badri is also called as Jujubi, uh, which in our Indian terms, we don't know what it is. But you can have a research of your own if, if you want to know more about it. So when she consorted to become a Badri tree, Vishnu was very pleased with this. So Vishnu named, her, uh, Vishnu named this place as Badri ki ashram. While that place was named as Badri ki ashram, Goddess Lakshmi was named as Badri Vaishal. Might be Vishal, you can always correct me. Uh, and Lord Vishnu was named as Nath. So this was how the name origin took place. Badrinath and Badri Vaishal and Badri asked Now talking about its pilgrimage, we have known its history, we know how it has been protected by King of Gurwal and all. Talking about the pilgrimage itself, Badrinath is one of the five related shrines called Panch Badri. So it's just not one temple that's there, there are five different temples and they have their respective names. So it goes like this. Vishal Badri for Badrinath, Yogadhyan Badri, third one is your Bhavish Badri, fourth one would be vriddh Badri, fifth one is your Adi Badri. So there are five temples. So in culminative we say it as Badrinath. So the temple is also considered as the holiest uh, Hindu temple, say Chardha, which falls under these four temples that we talked, saying Rameshwaram, Badrinath, Puri Jagannath and Dwarka.
0: Sorry to cut you, I have like one question to be asked, you said Badrinath is a group of four temples,
3: five temples,
0: five temples. Okay. Mm -hmm. So when we commonly say Badrinath, do we mean all these five temples or is it like one particular out of these five?
3: So Badrinath actually they say badri Ke ashram and uh-huh. in that Badrinath is one such temple Okay. but okay. if you are going to visit only Badrinath you will miss out the other four temples okay. Okay. so it's Understood. like Yogadhyaya and all those four temples also you can visit and see how they are and okay. the journey the, the best part about Badrinath is it's just not about visiting the god or shrine or telling about your wishes or wishing everyone well. It's also the journey about your difficulty to reach that point. You'll see a lot of difficulties, a lot of weather changes across. Say, I live in Karnataka. I have to go to Badrinath. I have to make sure I am well prepared so that I visit it and I come back. It's a very difficult journey. And when you pass that journey or when you just have that journey, you know what's the difficultness to see a God. It's close to what you can do. with, at least.
2: Yeah, so, that's also. But, uh,
3: that's the most important part of it. Say yeah. Now in Karnataka or in Sanskrit, they, saw, they call it moksha. And there have been uh, sayings that, at least in my grandmother' ages, people when they're done with all their life and all their eternal wishes are finished, they just travel to Badrinath to say we don't come back ever. Which means, on that journey, they might just reach Heavens. So, that was also one of the things that, in our family at least, in olden ages, we used to do, but not as of now.
1: Uh, in other words, Venkat, it's not like we, we go and don't come back instead of that. It is something like, oh, you go and oh, you attain, you wash away your sins and then you attain the moksha over there. Like, you will come back, It's in human form you will come back, but in an eternal form you, you mean that oh, you hmm. are, have attained moksha
2: and uh once you pro- uh, do this ritual called the pinda pradhan in badrinath right they say that uh, you know the souls are devoid of every single sin they have committed and they completely uh, you know, attain peace that's what they say
3: i think so this is not done in badrina is it in... no, not
2: no it's not only varanasi but also in Badrinath.
3: it depends on how you want to interpret the history if your history is just an information that's been written in some form which can last for some certain years. Your information or perception is all on how you take it. You can take it in a defensive way saying they did for good or you can say take it in an aggressive way it's bad. Now that was where the conflicts arise but we in Conundrum Markets always try to suggest and say it's still in written words. We have not seen what has happened there and if we have to fight over those terms it becomes very complex to understand who is right who's wrong
2: and Venkat uh, do you know uh, like you talked about the one not Divya Deshams right do you know like there are only 106 six deviations that a human can actually visit
3: that i didn't know i just thought there were not eight and this one of them but i didn't know that there were only 106 that humans can visit
2: yeah the one not the other two are in Baikunta
3: so only when you reach heaven, you can see that. Yeah. How did we count that? Okay, not to touch that. That's good information right Yeah,
2: Because we are, uh, my dad's dream is to visit all of the 106 six reasons And we visited around uh, 15 of them last year.
3: Oh wow, that's good. That's amazing. This was one of such temples in north, which has a lot of significance in Indian culture and history of temples, but there's more to come. So now we've understood about Badrinath quite a bit, we've touched the surface, but we will take you to another place in north itself, which has great amount of technology being put in to create the temple, or it has good scientific facts to talk about. So I hand this over to Nikhil to talk about that temple name. Nikhil, over to you.
1: The temple is Konark Sun Temple. So by the way, as we are in North, uh, why I chose this temple is because when I was going through Guru Vayur Temple, I just my eyes fell on this temple and it has little so, relation towards Guru, Guru Vaiur. So hmm. it's actually related to a, a, a story of Samba. Samba is the son of Lord Krishna, one of the many oh. sons of Lord Krishna.
3: Okay.
1: okay, now the Konark Sun Temple is dedicated to the Hindu god Surya this temple is famous among all the sun temples built in india this is located 35 km northeast of puri in the coastlines of odisha previously it is called kalinga now they say odisha or orissa this temple the way the way it is like its current state was declared by unesco as a world heritage site in 1984 when I, when i say this current state the temple is ruined over time like it's not the original temple which we see which was built before But the main complex, the center complex of the main building is still still. Only the surroundings and the uh, add-ons were ruined. Although this this temple is majorly for tourist spot or tourist attraction, there is a significant story for it as well. I hope you all are interested in the significance of history as well. Go on Nikhil,
0: we are eager to listen
2: to you.
1: Okay. Now, the word Konar is a combination of two Sanskrit words. Kona means corner or an angle. And Arka means the lighting or the sunlight. This implies that the main idea of this temple is Sun God. And it was built with an angle. Now, why that angle and all, we'll just go ahead. Now, if you observe the temple, if you Google search and see the image of this temple, the explanation in various texts, they say that it follows the Kalinga style or Orisa style of architect, which is a subset of Nagara. Nagara is nothing but the Hindu style of architect. It's a sub form of it. Now, the Nagara style, which means it has a square uh, ground or a square uh, plane, and on top of that, assembly hall kind of structure is built. So that's the architect of uh, this temple. Okay, the Konak temple is entirely built in stone. Like if you observe, there's no place where they use any other material. It's completely made up of stone. Now, don't get confused. The temple is not entirely built in one stone, but all, all the parts is built by the stone.
0: Nikhil, and just one curious question over here. Can you tell us like when was this built exactly? Like which year was this built?
1: Yeah, sir. So, like based on the historical data or how, what the historians have researched, No, it was considered to be built somewhere like 700 past, uh, 700 years ago from now, 700 to 750 years ago.
0: All right. So you are means... saying, so you are saying that 700 years ago, the entire temple was built. Uh, with stone structures, right? I mean, other than stone, there is nothing. I'm not saying single stone.
1: 1,300 to 1400, somewhere in that era. Now, this temple showcases a colossal chariot with 12 pair of lavishly ornamented wheels. It is drawn by seven richly horses. The wheels have been carved against the sides of the chariot. Like if you see the sides, there are 12 wheels, like six on each side. The belief and conception of this chariot is mainly to do with the sun god. That whenever you see, he is always found on a chariot pulled by seven horses. The significance of 12 wheels related to the 12 months in a year. Like that's the significance, right? When you see 12, uh, it, we easily relate ourselves with the 12 months in a year. Now, when we talk about the seven horses, that relates to the seven days in a week. And interestingly, it is said that the based on sun's position, one can identify the time and date based on the wheels of th- this 12 wheels and the seven horses
0: this was quite interesting to know i was not aware of it i went to konark sun temple mm-hmm. and it was way long back in standard eight approximately i don't know 20 2008 2009 mm-hmm. approximately around that time
2: yeah i went before that it was 2004 like right when tsunami was happening over there i was near
0: konark yeah so back then i didn't realize that this was the significance of you know these seven horses and the 12 Chari exactly. wheels. Thanks for bringing that up.
1: Yeah. Okay. Now, when you observe the outside of the temple, temple gate, it it has two lions on the top, means one one on each side, and below those two lions, there is one on elephant each, respectively. Below which you see one human body. Now, the significance here is the lion is called as is referred to as a pride, and elephant is referred to as a wealth when pride and wealth can we can say like pride and wealth together can destroy human right so that's the significance we can take from that
0: okay another interesting point to okay. add I think you should carry on
1: Okay. So now you <laughs> because you now I'm that's...
0: slowly getting mesmerized Nikhil by the pointers that you are giving now
1: okay hold on to it okay there's more
0: okay fine
1: okay so now enough of this so actual temple discussion let's you may ask, like, what is the mythological significance? Now, Konark is mentioned in Hindu texts and Puranas as well. Konark was believed to be the most most sacred place for worshiping of Surya in the entire Odisha region. Now, you might you might be knowing Samba, right? Samba is uh, one of the many many child of uh, Sri Krishna. Correct. Now, Samba had a skin illness now that's a different story uh, it has a uh, like you know he was cursed with some some something and he was cursed by lord krishna and he got a skin, skin illness that's a different story now uh, why he has come over here is to heal himself for he was told that he should be worship, worshiping sun god by the first ray of the sun falling on uh, his body can uh, can heal him so that was the main uh, reason Now, local worshippers refused to obey to him and saying, I cannot build the Sun sun Temple and all because of your sins, they refused it. So, he even got uh, worshippers called Magi from Persia, who helped him to build this Sun Temple. Now, don't get confused again, this Sun Temple is not the exact same temple which we see in Konar, but this is there in the mythology uh, that he has built similar uh, Sun Temple. Now, when the Sun temple was built, the first Sunray fell onto the entrance of the temple and then he was cured of his sins. That's a different story altogether. Now, let's come back to the Konark temple. Uh, What significance lies with this mythology? From the history, it is known that the temple was built by Narsimha Deva, who is the ruler of Odisha at that time, 1380s. The exact reason for building this temple is not known known by anyone because it's no no way clearly mentioned that this is the reason for uh, him to build this temple. The King Deva was a prayer of Sun God. He was the ruler of Kalinga. Now, currently we call it Odisha or Orissa. At his earlier age, like when he was 12 or, or 14, he was known for his strength and power. Once he was in a battle for continuously three years, he successfully won the victory. And uh, once he is back, his mother insisted him to build a Sun God temple. So that's when he started building the temple. Now, Deva starts building, building work for the temple stones and stuffs, and whatever is required to build the temple was bought from far away places. And to add on, uh, there were nearly 1200 people who were involved in making this temple. Uh, You call them architects and the scriptures. Now, if you observe the temple or if you have been there already, you can observe it like the temple is not exactly in the east or west or north or south direction. It is faced at an angle so that the first ray of the sun falls directly onto the entrance of the temple. Now you can relate it to that mythology. Uh, Even the Narasimha Devaraya is a worshipper of sun god. He took the story from the Samba, the Lord Krishna's son, and he he built this temple.
0: So Nikhil, I have like one last question to you. Mm -hmm. The angle that you're talking about, right? Mm -hmm. Why do you think that and how do you think back in 700 years ago, how did they even measure this angle so accurately that it is even
1: relevant today? Uh, that, I'm not sure, but uh, I can say this much, that they had done a lot of calculation, not as such calculation. they observed a lot of things, you know? oh, first day of the sun, they used to worship oh, sun god, so they already know which direction it used to come, how it used to travel, w- which part of the year, at what direction it used to come up, so based on that, they were able to, and especially, it's not everyone, it's just Narthima Devaraya, who, Narthima Deva who had this oh, thought. Okay, now if you observe the temple, right? Uh, they used sheet of metal and magnets to join the blocks. Now, if you observe in uh, current world, you see you will use motor, cement, and all, right? They didn't use any of that stuff. They used a the sheet of metals and a uh, magnet in between which blocks of bricks of the temple were placed. Now, the top dome of the temple was also placed with a magnet sheet. Not you cannot call it magnet sheet, or you can call it like a stone of magnet was placed on top. Now this sheet which was placed on top was removed after some years. Can anyone guess why is that so? Because it got corroded or something? Corrosion is not the uh, reason for it to get removed.
2: Maybe it's it got too heated up.
1: <laughs> okay, Okay, I'll give one more context. There's a reason was,
0: it, was it reflecting a good sunlight and it was like a magnifying thing?
1: Okay, you are a bit nearby. What had actually happened was since it has a lot of magnetism in it, the ships and boats which used to travel across so they used to use magnetic compass which which uh, led them to wrong directions often so that's the reason this magnetic on the top was removed after several years okay now the strange part of the construction okay even after years of building the temple the kalash or what you call as a top dome couldn't have been put on top because it, the shape is in such a way that uh, not, nobody was able to put it not even among the 1200 workers were able to put it now Narthimha Deva got fed up and he was like, he gave a time limit to his uh, uh, constructors that you have to build, build, build a dome within a fortnight. So this was the
0: project management way. which was happening back in 700
1: years ago? Yeah, there was a time limit and there so were, dead were they deadlines all, they were dead as well.
3: There were progr- project managers and there were developers who were going facing the same thing
2: that we are facing now. Now imagine <laughs> if Venkat was the scrum master there. Oh
1: wow. Yeah, sure. <laughs> now, one of the main sculptor's son, Dharma Dharma Pada, he is generally he called as Dharma by everyone. He was successfully able to put a dome on top of the temple. So after few, uh, is it alone that he did that? Yeah, he he alone himself was able to put a uh, construct a dome on top of it. He climbed uh, uh, to the top and then he was able to pull it up. Very interesting. Now after a few hours of the sunrise, like this was happened in the night after a few hours of sunrise, the first ray of the sun fell on the entrance. okay. Now you can imagine the statue of sun god was floating inside. Now you may say that it's because of magnet magnet and all. that's a different story. but the by successful building of top down, what do you call the idol inside of the sun god started floating. There was a chaos that if king gets to know that only one person had done it and which 1200 people couldn't do and only one person, one small kid was able to achieve it, everyone's life was at stake. Now, Dharma thought that more than his life, the life of 1200 people was more important. So he climbed the top of the same dome and jumped off the river and gave his life. So keep this in mind because there's one more thing. There's a belief in Hinduism why they don't worship this. The king and army decided to inaugurate the temple. And after a few months, the big statue, the lion statue, which was kept outside, started falling. And some of the stones as well started falling off. Now, king king got to know somehow that oh, the first day of this temple was started by the death of a small child. The worship and devotion were stopped in the temple. So, this is the reason why many people believe and disbelieve, like, should we worship or should we not worship? So, again, I'm not commenting on that part. It's just oh, oh, history which we came across.
0: Yeah. Okay. Unless you,
1: Very interesting to know this,
0: that, you know, a person who did good to the temple, uh, had to take his life in that very temple, because of a good deed. He, he sacrificed his life for somebody else's benefit, for the benefit of his Praja, not pra- his Praja, it is like for his fellow mates.
1: And now, uh, 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 like once they stopped worshipping uh, the uh, trees and grow outside, and it was like covered as a mini forest. Like no one knew that the temple existed. Later on, right, the the temple was discovered by foreign rules. Like when they started a foreign rule, they used to go across different, different places and they used to discover different, different places. No? That's when this temple was rediscovered. And if you observe uh, in the story, the river was just near to the temple. But if you see in current era or current world, that river has gone a bit behind. So whatever we see today is not exactly the same as whatever was there at that time. temple is not exactly the way we see today. There are portions and remains of the rest of the parts. It's just the main complex and the center part of the temple is, is what we see today.
3: So is the Konak Sun Temple still under construction? Some renovation is going on there?
1: Yeah, actually, see, when, when someone rediscovers it, no, they you, uh, they start developing the temple. Like, even if you see any temple in South India as well, they first uh, discover it and then start developing for people to start worshipping and all. No,
2: okay. The same thing Yeah, uh, true. See, even if you go to Tirupati, right, uh, it's a very old temple, but you see all those wires passing through different pillars and everything. They need to start developing so that it would be comfortable for uh, devotees to come and worship them. So, yeah, any right. kind of temple yes. would be constantly going under uh, some of the other kind of renovation. Okay. But it is best not to, you know, make it change it too much because the part of a history is something over there. Right. Correct. So, once you change it too much, it starts being that the uh, same uh, ship of the I uh, setting all over again.
3: Oh, that one. Okay. That conundrum and that
1: yeah. we will later yeah. and, and it, the, if you observe that, that construction is not uh, to the main temple it's out just yeah. outside for yeah. everyone to visit
3: yeah and there was even a Chinese Buddhist pilgrim named Hyun Sang traveler who has this mentioning <laughs> about the Konark, but he visited 7th century or something right where he has written saying that story towers that are very high and
1: carved with saintly figures exquisitely done Which means. You are talking about Rabindranath Tagore? No, 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 no. no. Because Rabindranath Tagore mentioned in a quote saying. He's talking
2: about a Chinese explorer.
1: Yeah, Chinese Buddhist pilgrim and traveler.
3: So I think so. In his book, when he was traveling in India and he went to Odisha port city that time, he did see the Konak temple, but not the one which is considered 13th century, but the one which was done at 7th century. So. That's another major thing in text for
1: Konar that was mentioned. Even Rabindranath Tagore Ro mentioned that for the Konar, here the language of stone surpasses the language of man. Like all these wheels or um, yeah. sculpture on the wall, everything yeah. all, it has a more meaning uh, than, than the actual uh, history. Of it. Uh,
3: just signifies how much art has went through and how much we were working towards art at that time.
1: Exactly Art, and literature, literature, meaning, yeah, philosophy. This is the story behind the uh, Konark Sun Temple. With this, I'll pass on to Raghav.
2: Okay, now listeners, uh, so we've uh, talked about uh, Hampi, where I uh, told that one a chariot was uh, not carved from a single stone. Now that was just a chariot. Now imagine a whole temple being carved from one single stone.